When I was a little girl, my grandmother would start her day at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. And when I would wake up, I would join her at that table and we would talk, we would laugh, and I would listen and I would learn. Sometimes she would talk to her girlfriends and I would soak it all in. They talked about life, they talked about love, but mostly she talked about being ferociously her, being her authentic self in a world that didn't always accept who she was, how she was, or that she was. But she didn't let that stop her. She made shift happen anyway. My granny's not with us anymore, but that doesn't mean the laughing and the learning has to stop. Join me, ladies and gentlemen, at my kitchen table, and let's keep talking shift. You're listening to Talking Shift, the podcast, with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Talking Shift is a trademarked production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. Have bag, we'll travel. <laughs> for more information, visit marissacupain.com. Get you some good friends when you're going through your shift. That's the message here. For now, listen, learn, and laugh with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Emphasis on at the moment. Welcome back, friends. It is that time of the week. This is Talking Ship with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. And I am once again excited about the conversation that is about to ensue. Sometimes I come to you in the strength of my gift as a life and leadership coach. And other times I am here as just an everyday woman on the journey um, like everyone else. I I think today I'll probably have a little bit of my entrepreneurial hat on. Um, our guest today is Markeith Braden. Markeith is, um, as you'll soon find out, a very uh, calm, spirited, um, tenacious, intuitive um, CEO. Uh, he's on a mission to help individuals align and fulfill their life's purpose. He's the president of Markeith Braden and Company, which is a digital media and personal brand strategy coaching and consulting agency. He is also the esteemed host of the award-nominated podcast, Maximize Your Brand Podcast. I had the opportunity to meet Markeith um, a few years ago in business space and I think, you know, he has a presence, you know, so when it comes to branding, um, he is definitely the person you want to go to because, you know, generally speaking, you know, the most common definition of branding I think that I enjoy is that branding is what people say about you when you leave the room, right? And what they remember. <laughs> uh, Markeith is definitely has a memorable presence and contribution. And um, so, before I just keep rambling on, I might as well just get you on the mic. Welcome to the show, Marquis. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I was excited when I saw the email and the invitation. So yes. this is great. I, I wanted that energy. I was just like, now listen, you know, um, I, I know you got something to say to the people. And just like I said, your energy is so um, refreshing that, um, I knew that it would be uh, good for the people to experience, um, you know, 
what you bring. So, of course, I love, you know, just jumping right in. And the Mm -hmm. question I typically ask guests first is what is one of, if not the most, um, compelling, disruptive, growth-oriented shift that you have encountered in your life to date? Interesting question. I mean, you make them so hard. You gave us all of those compelling, disruptive shifts. I would have to say the most disrupting shift for me happened about eight, nine years ago when I was first laid off my job. Mm-hmm. And it was very disrupting and compelling because it was really all I knew. It was mm-hmm. all that I had been taught to do. Being the oldest of four kids, mm-hmm. I was the leader of, of sorts, a uh, single parent home. And so my mother reared us in a way that, hey, if you want a better life, these are the things you do. You finish high school, mm-hmm. go to college, go to graduate school climb the corporate ladder, uh, get paid substantially well, and, you know, live your life as as best as you can. And your mom told was, you to go to grad school? Well, you know what? Interesting enough, not necessarily told me to go to grad school, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just had that expectation. You just uh, knew it from the beginning. That, that is yeah. awesome. Okay, yeah. so then a job shift would have really been disruptive for you because you kind of had the plan and was very clear about what it was supposed to look like. Right, right. You know, and I I mean, I watched everybody in my family. You know, I feel like I I came come from a working class, middle class family that everybody Mm -hmm. worked very hard to have what they had. I Mm -hmm. I come from a family of just hardworking individuals Mm -hmm. who owned their own homes, who had land and property, but they were more blue collar mm-hmm. individuals, not necessarily college educated individuals wow. to gain what they had. Yeah. Um, but we were able to still live uh, a middle class life um, based on their work ethic. And yeah. I just gleaned that same work ethic as a child growing up. And the job was the center of that. The job was the center of that. We maybe have one or two entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in our family, but the job was always the center of how you acquired things, how you mm-hmm. lived uh, and how you um, were respected in the community. Okay. So right. tell us about the layoff. The layoff. Wow. You know, I was in healthcare working as a corporate compliance officer, director level position within the community health space. But here's the thing. The shift started happening really before the layoff because it was my fourth job within a span of about eight years. Okay. So I would shift jobs every couple of years because I just had this feeling of there has to be more. There's more Mm -hmm. to what I'm currently doing and I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And so leading up to that time, I was investigating, researching and you know, really, you know, putting some fillers out there to see, you know, what else is it that I want to do? You know, what do I see myself doing in the future? Mm-hmm. And as I was taking inventory of that, I would always notice that no matter what job I had, people would choose me to do presentations. People would choose mm-hmm. me to 
lead certain segments of organization. People would choose me to, you know, be the point person or the face of something. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting... That's that presence I was talking about. That's that presence, you know, (laughs) that I had to later embrace. I don't know that I really fully embraced it uh, as an adolescent or growing up. But I was investigating, you know, what else could I do? And what was interesting was that I was preparing my 90-day plan, you Mm -hmm. know, okay, 90 days, I had some money saved up. Here's what I want to do if I decide to quit the job and move forward. Okay. But before I could carry out the 90-day plan, I get a knock on that door. Ooh. And it was the HR uh, individuals who said, hey, you know, can you meet with us at noon today in the (laughs) conference room? And in my heart of hearts, I already knew. What was about to happen. And being laid off, here's the thing. It was exciting. It really wasn't devastating. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you had a planned shift, but then you wound up with an unplanned shift. And you chose to be excited about it. Because that could could be be disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I chose to be excited. And they asked me to leave, like, right at that moment and then come back later to get my things, right? Because they didn't want me to disrupt what was going on in the organization. Because here's the thing. I think, or I feel like as though, if people saw me carrying things out of that building, Mm -hmm. that it would have been a disruption because of what you said. Mm -hmm. Mark, Mm -hmm. the presence Wow. You know, people would come to my office and sit in the chair and talk and I would just listen. Right. Mm-hmm. People trusted me. People had a level of respect for me. And so seeing me, you know, someone who carried that presence walking mm-hmm. out with boxes probably mm-hmm. would have caused a little a disruption in, in the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have, you talked about your childhood and your fam, strong family roots and, and what stability looked like. Mm-hmm. Did you talk with family about the decision that you were <laughs> and what you were thinking <laughs> before you made the decision? I didn't, actually. Um, being the oldest of four, and there are 13 years between me and the youngest. Okay. I had a level of independence growing up that just carried on in my adulthood Mm -hmm. that some people really don't fully understand. Okay. I I am the child that I think that nobody really worried about whether or not I was going to be successful or do the right thing or so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so it really wasn't one of those conversations around should I do this or shouldn't I do it. I just decided mm-hmm. to do it. And then I shared it with my mom. And of course, to them, well, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? Because at the time I, I owned my home, I bought a home early in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And so their only concern was, okay, you have a mortgage, you have a car note, you got to eat, you know, but I didn't have that type of mom who really um, involved herself. Mm in my life in the Mm -hmm. sense that telling me what I needed to do or what I should do. Mm -hmm. She just, uh, I trusted that I was just making the right decision. Mm. Okay. So how did it go? Well, here we are, uh, eight (laughs) years later. (laughs) 
<laughs> eight years later and I'm still pursuing the dream. I yes. have had, you know, the ups and downs of to making that decision. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, God has supplied every need that I needed along the way. You know, there mm-hmm. are moments where I've had to experience certain things that I've never experienced before. But it was, to me, God providing along the way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what? And I'll give you a quick story. Talk shift to me. I was going to say talk shift to me, you know. Yeah, I'll give you a quick story. <laughs> um, having been laid off, it never registered to me the opportunities that were available to me being laid off mm. because I didn't know that lifestyle. I didn't know. And this, and don't get me wrong. If anybody has experienced this or this was a part of your life, but I didn't know the lifestyle of being on welfare, getting food stamps, government assistance. Even mm-hmm. though my mom was a single parent of four, she just worked hard two or three jobs. Oh, so even if she wanted to get that, she wouldn't have been able to get it because mm-hmm. she just knew to work. Mm-hmm. And so being laid off, my first thought was, okay, what can I do to continue to have income coming in the house by the, making this decision, not going to get a nine to five? Mm-hmm. But it took others who may have experienced uh, certain experiences in their life to say, hey, Markeith, do you know, you know, you could get food stamps? Markeith, uh-huh. do you know that there's this uh, opportunity out there where Tennessee has this opportunity where they'll pay your mortgage for up to a year if you're Mm. falling on hard times. Come on, resources. I didn't know any of that. (laughs) And here's the interesting thing. This is God's provision. This is things that I wasn't aware of because of the previous life I had. Mm -hmm. That now I'm introduced to these opportunities where, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, provision is being made. Yeah. And so... I signed up for the program, for the mortgage program. Yes. And when I went to the office and shared what my situation was, they told me, they, well, you probably won't qualify. You know, you have, you know, at the time, maybe about 15 grand in a checking account. I had a mm-hmm. savings account and so on and so forth. Well, I was like, well, let's just apply anyway. <laughs> we applied and... It was the end of the program. It was, I think the program only had one month left. Wow. And she was like, well, you know, we'll go ahead and apply for you, but we don't think you'll get it. Within seven days, I was approved for this program. Yeah. And they paid my mortgage for, I think, a year and a half. And the only requirement was that I had to keep my house for five years. They would put a lien on your house. But if you kept it for five years, the lien would fall off and you didn't have to pay the money back. Wow. <laughs> That's a nice way to start a business. <laughs> Take the mortgage away. <laughs> provision being made, right? Yeah, but it started with a decision. It started I mean, with I a think decision. that that's what I heard, you know. So so just to to make a little shift, um and and from what I'm hearing from you, it came it came fairly easy for you just because of your personality, you know, and I'm talking about the mindset Mm -hmm. to actually make the shift happen. You know, a lot of people think about leaving their job and starting Mm -hmm. a business or doing something different, shifting their revenue, you know, diversifying their revenue in different ways. And in my experience, you know, fear (laughs) 
<laughs> or worrying about provision, mm -hmm. you know, is the biggest barrier to people actually pursuing what they really want to do. Right. That came easier for you just because of kind of how you're wired a little bit. Right. I would say uh, easier. I like you say easier, but it wasn't yeah. easy because uh -huh. I don't know that I would have quit. Okay. So you were, you was playing, you would have been planning, planning and planning and planning and planning. Yeah. My friends were telling me, okay, this is what you need to do. 90 day plan, you know, but I was taking my time doing that 90 day plan. Right. Yes. Um, uh -huh. But it was painful enough to even start thinking about the plan. But would I, would I had actually quit? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. And what I appreciate and, and so appreciate about you sharing um, your perspective, because we hear my audience in, part in particular, I tend to attract a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And I like that um, for our male audience, you know, that it's like, no, men do this too. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because stability i'm assuming mm -hmm. is a value for men generally speaking oh, like you you know and so um like what what do you say so you so and the fact that you had the mortgage paid mm -hmm. so what about the people that don't necessarily have that like what do you say when you know you are feeling that unsettling right you're going from job to job it's not satisfying you know um how do you shift when your values and your upbringing is telling you one thing, but your spirit is saying something different? You know, right. how do you conquer that um, yeah. to actually take the leap? Yeah, I think for me, the first step I would say is start surrounding yourself around people who are doing it. Oh, uh, and the reason why it wasn't a hard decision for me to make once I got laid off was because I was surrounded around a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, two or three of my closest friends had been in business for themselves for at least three or four years prior to me getting laid off. Okay. And so I was always really around them a lot to see, okay, mm -hmm. well, if they can do this, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can do this. I mm -hmm. can do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's, one key step is to start to surround yourself around people who have the different mindset. Mm -hmm. That's so good. that you can glean encouragement from them, so that you can glean uh, being uh, a person who walks by faith and not by sight. You know, like they have been doing, right? Uh, and then the ninety, you know, the ninety, hundred and twenty, however many days you need plan. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't not too many. Right? right. I like that short time frame. Yeah. Just enough for you to see, you know, just mm -hmm. enough. <laughs> right. Because too much will overwhelm you. Too much can't right? can't can't overwhelm you. But I, I'll have to be as totally transparent as I can in this interview. It was an easy decision for me as well, because I didn't have a family. Mm -hmm. The only person mm -hmm. that I had to take care of was me. Mm -hmm. So in my head, um, and this may, re this may resonate with a few people. Yeah. In my head, I never incrementally increased my lifestyle, even though I was making way more money when I started. Come so on. if you remember, I said, I 
purchased my first home in my 20s. Okay. Well, by the time I got to that job, I was still living in that same house. Okay. My income incrementally increased, I would say over the uh, that eight to 10 years span, maybe 60 or $70,000. You're teaching good. But yeah. I still lived in the same town home that I bought when I was 27. Yeah. And and I still live there today, This which helps me to continue to be an entrepreneur. Now, some people have different perspective. I've had a coach who has told me that it may be a limiting thing, uh, hmm. you know, for me. But I still live in the same townhouse in Nashville, Tennessee, where oh mortgages and housing prices and rents have skyrocketed over the last 15 years. Yes. But I have a $500 mortgage. Yes. For only a little while longer, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so the thing is, is making also those decisions that support where it is that you're trying to go. Yeah. So, you know, of course, I am uh, and my audience knows that I am um, newly single. Right. And so it's interesting to hear you say that, oh, it was easier for me because I didn't necessarily have, you know, um, a partner or dependents to necessarily include in my decisions. And at the same time, I also think that 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 and I know this in coaching a lot of women that that also it all depends on your mindset mm. because that can also be a scarier reason, okay. right? Because who is going to oh, be my backup? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's just me, you yeah, know. That's true. Um, and there is nothing and no one. This thing is like mm -hmm. it has to work, and that's a lot of pressure, and that's yeah. a you know that's a big, um, big stumbling block. You got healthcare. You know, people will put. So I love your story. And it's just like, I say this all the time. It's not mine. I think it's a um, Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can mm -hmm. or you think you can't, you're right. Right. You know, right. so I just love that you're, you're like, no, nah, I mean, I was single, you know, and and but but the you know, you set yourself up mm -hmm. um, in a way that positioned it. But you still said. And yet I probably still wouldn't wouldn't have done it on my own. Probably still wouldn't have done it. But my my mindset was this. I knew I wasn't um, afraid of work. So my mm -hmm. mindset was this, was that if I had to go work at McDonald's mm -hmm. to pay the mortgage, I would. Talk. Talk. If I had to go, you know, do whatever I needed to do to make it happen, I would go do it. Because what yeah. was more important to me at this point in life was, and I was just sharing this with a friend last night because he was talking about, you know, how people tell they make six figures and they do this and they have this. And I was sharing with them that what became more important to me was that I'd rather make $50,000 a year and own my time mm -hmm. and not be stressed than to mm -hmm. make six figures and I'm working 80 hours a week. That's yes. just me. And so right. I knew that I knew I was clear on what I wanted. I wanted time freedom. I wanted location freedom. I wanted the ability to be able to just own my life because I felt like I didn't own it. Mm. Wow. So is that what you think was missing in that eight year period as you were seeking? It was part uh -huh. of what was missing that I was living the life that other people wanted me to live. 
Oh. Meaning that, and when I say other people, I mean, I was living the life that I saw everybody else live. Mm-hmm. hmm But that was all it was that a they script. It was a script. It was a script. Yes. Which is why I kept yes. saying to myself, there has to be more to life than this. I, mm-hmm. you know, was driving the Nissan Maxima and the Infinity, <laughs> and I owned a home and I had the suits and ties and I was a part of the fraternity and I was all of these things. And I'm like, but I'm still unfulfilled. <laughs> mm. Wow. So what is different for you now that mm. you have made the shift? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes was a quote that helped me to make the shift. And it said that the greatest failure in life is to be successful at the wrong assignment. And so the great thing about life today is that I am truly on the assignment that I was called to do. Wow. That in my previous life, I was getting glimpse of the assignment through the work that I was doing. But what was missing was that I was supposed to be fully doing that assignment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about that. I, we talked about presence. Mm-hmm. And um, I say, to, still to this day, to, to be honest, um, and, and that's all we do here at Talking Shift, right, <laughs> is um, talk about the truth behind what it takes to make these Um, transitions, the healing journeys, the whatever it is to get to our full authentic self and to be transparent about it so that people don't feel like when they're experiencing these things that they're alone. You know, it's just not, it's easy to see it when it's glitz and glam, but like, what was the process like? I just love digging into that. Um, But I'm scared of my own shadow half the Mm. time, you know? (laughs) My potential and my gift, you know, I am, I'm like, I want to jump in with the the groundhog. I'm just like, it scares me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm just like, oh my goodness, the, what I see can be scary. (laughs) What you see can be scary. And I think a part of the struggle for me You know, it's interesting that you bring up the whole presence thing. Yeah. Because I would hear it all my life. Yeah. But I would not, I never really embraced it. But I didn't, I wouldn't embrace it because I felt like it negatively impacted my life. Mm -hmm. That people, my peers, didn't necessarily understand it, so they called it something different. They called it arrogance. They called it conceit. They called Mm -hmm. it thinking you're better than a person. And I'm just showing up as me. None of those things crossed my mind. And so I didn't really fully embrace any of it because I was like, but this is not who I want to be, you know, because everybody is always negatively speaking on it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until maybe about my 30s I started to really hone in and say, maybe I need to think about this a little bit differently mm-hmm. and stop allowing the opinions of others to cause me to shrink mm-hmm. in this gift. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Because it really is what it is. It's a gift. You And that's what you have to come to 
come to appreciate, understand, know, and embrace that it is a gift mm-hmm. and it comes natural. It comes right? natural. <laughs> it comes. And, and when that, you know, when you know that and recognize that, like one of the greatest challenges and the difference maker is being able to accept it mm-hmm. and own it <laughs> versus, you know, because it makes other people uncomfortable because it's not their gift. Yes. So, yeah. of course, it's different. It's yours. It's not theirs. Yeah. They have something different yeah. that comes natural to them. And chances are they're likely in a similar struggle mm-hmm. with their gift. Right. We go. talked about the need to get well. Right. It's a lot of unwell people. And, you know, it's that our confidence bumping up against their insecurity, mm-hmm. you know. But until you come to know that. People will you'll you'll try to hide it. You'll try to shrink it because it's overwhelming, usually because it comes so easy. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this this isn't a thing. This is just who I am. Yeah. But, you know, when you learn that, oh, no, this is actually what I was given to mm-hmm. fulfill my purpose in the earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when that's when things begin to shift. That's when things begin to shift is embracing all of who you are. And let me say this, that I am still maturing yeah. the embrace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's still things that I haven't fully grasped hold of and walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is next you know i really truly uh have this desire to spread my wings mm-hmm. more i think that for me uh, nashville has been this place of comfort for mm-hmm. me and Remember I said location freedom. Yes. Well, I haven't really fully embraced that. Oh. That there's no reason why I should always be home or that there's no reason why I should not be exploring more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's so much more for me to explore that I haven't really fully pursued because of comfort, Mm -hmm. right? And it it takes a little, it takes just a little bit more, I think, maturing to say, okay, it's been a total of eight years, last five years full-time in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, God has you. Mm-hmm. You know, make the decision, move forward, go after it. There's so much more that you can experience, but yet you you're in this place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so that puts a, that takes us back to that townhouse from the from our twenties, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, it really does. Yeah, because you're location free, but limited because we're location comfortable mm-hmm. um, and stable. Yeah, yeah, I I understand that. So, am I hearing that maybe you want to branch out that those wings want to? maybe pursue some other locations? Yeah, that is pursuing other locations, but also it's pursuing a new uh, opportunities even within the business, uh, uh-huh. hosting my own conference, 
Yes. Uh, hosting my own retreats. Yeah. You know, things like that, that I haven't really, you know, spent a lot of time pursuing when I know I should be uh-huh. uh, just because of this, oh. this comfort. So I love that. So it's like, what is it? So to get into entrepreneurship, like you had the work ethic to stay and to do it once you got here, but yeah. you had to be forced to get here. Right. There you Are go. you still <laughs> at the place where that has to happen? happen? Yeah. I could potentially be still in that place where I'm not being forced to have to do it. Mm, that's yeah. good. That's good, Coach Marissa. I see you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is good. That's yeah. real good. I haven't really thought about it that way, but I was forced into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And and to some degree, I think that there's a there's some truth to that, that a lot of times I don't even I don't take action until mm-hmm. I know I have to take action. I.e., mm-hmm. you know, I didn't fill out your form until last night. <laughs> but I've had it over a week, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I knew Thinking I wanted to be prepared for your interview. So I was like, I got to get this done. <laughs> Procrastination. It's debatable. I have some, I, I'm similar in that um, there's an assessment out there that um, measures kind of our mode of operating. It's mm-hmm. called the Kobe A index. Yes. And um, the my Kobe is I am, if you, for those of you all that are familiar with it, and we'll, we'll put some details about it in the show notes so you have it, but I am a, let me get this right, 8472. So that first number, I'm I'm a high fact finder. So I like a lot of information and data. I like doing my research. I like doing my homework. But I'm also a high, that other high number, the seven, is my um, quick start. I'm also, I have a high risk tolerance. Mm. And, you know, I'm okay with change and all of that. So those two things, you most people don't have both of those. They're usually one or the other right. in terms of, I mean, we all have them all, but they're not high in both. Mm-hmm. But what that means is that I want all the information or as much as I can get before um, I take action. But that means that I'm last minute because there's always more time to get more information until the very last minute. And then finally, I'll take action. <laughs> And if there's still time, I can still get more information. I am um, saying if I couldn't pull mine up, I know I, I've taken that. I know that I'm a maximizer at the uh-huh. top. Yeah. But I don't remember yeah. the numbers. So well, I have check to it out. Check yeah, it don't out. beat yourself up about it because yeah. sometimes we call it procrastination, but it's just how we're wired. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, you know what I'm saying? Whether you did it when I sent it to you or I got it when I needed it. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> This you, is we true. there when we need it. This is true. <laughs> this is true. No animals were injured in this process, you know? <laughs> so don't spend, you know, let's not spend our energy there. You're, you are exactly, you're wired and gifted exactly like you're supposed to be. Yeah. So yeah. I love it. What do you say to the person that is similarly wired to you? Mm-hmm. And or what do you say to your younger self um, what would you, what do you want, um, the person who is in the place that you were in a decade ago, 
or better? Yeah. Uh, what do you know now that you want them to know so that they can shift faster? It may sound cliche, but really trust yourself, bet mm -hmm. on yourself, and take action. Mm -hmm. That everything that you need, you already have. Mm -hmm. That you wouldn't have the unfulfillment or the vision for more if it wasn't for you. Oh, that's good. That when I was sitting in an office looking out the window, daydreaming about what life would be like if I didn't have to come in the office and if I had all of my time to do the things that I wanted to do as a speaker, as a coach, as an entrepreneur, there was a reason behind me daydreaming about it. Yeah. That it's not by happenstance that I get to sit here today uh, doing the things that I love and want wanted to do it's because the dream, the vision was placed in me then. It just took time for me to get to my now. Yeah. So oh. trust yourself, bet on you, and put the plan in place and take action. It's really it. simple. Not mm -hmm. simple in the sense that I think we complicate it because we feel like it should be more complicated. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. I love what you said about McDonald's, you know, and in this gig economy time in 2023 and beyond, there are so many yes. side hustle, yes. contractor gig ways for you to make money to supplement. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the homeowners grant back then, but there are so many ways now as well. Whatever it is you you launch out to do, like whatever that fear is that's holding you back from moving or taking action, like mm -hmm. you said, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Right. What's the worst that that's can right. happen? And then what would you do if that happened? Right. right? You got options for that. Chances and, are. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't take the step, the next thing can't happen. So we skipped, you know, maybe about five years. And what ultimately ended up happening is that, you know, my gift made room for me. Once I freed myself, yeah, then it opened up doors for me to learn the craft of where I was trying to go. And so for four years, um, from 2014, when I got laid off, uh, no, from 2015 to 2018, I was on staff at my church. Mm. doing all the things that I do now for myself and my business. But the <laughs> church at the time didn't have anyone to do any of the digital marketing pieces, the branding pieces, the nice. uh, email marketing pieces, the streaming pieces. And so my pastor brought me on staff yes. um, as a contractor, quote unquote, to you know do those things for the ministry. And yes, exactly. who knew? that I would have been able to make fifty, sixty thousand dollars every year from the church. Yeah. Doing the things that I enjoyed and loved to do and still own my time. Bet on yourself and trust <laughs> that there will be foundation under you when you get there. Yeah. And then go from shift to shift. Yeah. You heard it here first. Markeith, where can the people find you? Yeah. <laughs> um and what you know, yeah. can you support them in doing? Yeah. So you can find me at my website. Everything is really my name, markeithbrayton.com. 
on all the social media channels. You can follow me uh, at Markeith Braden. And, you know, my thing is, is to help you learn how to, you know, build your presence and leverage your expertise online so that you can create the life you crave. And I do that through the power of personal branding and helping you to become more confident in yourself mm-hmm. so that you can bet on yourself and move forward in doing the work and the assignments that you've been called to do. And he is, yeah. like me, location agnostic, <laughs> have bag, will travel. <laughs> sure will. I sure will. sure will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Talking Shift, the podcast with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, like or subscribe for future episodes and leave us a review. Talking Shift is a trademark production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. For more information, visit MarissaQPayne.com or follow us in social spaces at Marissa Q. Payne.